everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors because I want you to live a happier, healthier, more successful life. Just the pursuit that I'm on, I'm sharing with you my journey, uh, the things that I'm doing as I go through uh, those different phases of life, uh, pursuing goals uh, that I've set for myself to, again, live happier, healthier, more successful. Uh, For me, those goals may look different than yours, but I get to have great conversations with people that I want to share with you. That's why today being the Saturday sit-down edition, I've got a great guest by the name of Quentin Dial. He is an ex-NFL player. He played for Alabama before that. He's been through some amazing uh, things in his life where he basically has learned how to overcome trials and has hit some of the top-tier levels of play when it comes to sports and discipline. So I'm excited to share that conversation with you guys. Uh, Before we get into that conversation, I want to invite you to the Redbeard's Fit Crew and First Form Outdoors Facebook groups. Go check them out. Links are down below, guys. I'd love to have you in the group. The groups are growing, getting stronger, great communities. If you're looking for people to keep you accountable, or if you're looking just for a good group of individuals to be around uh, in social media when there's so much negativity going on uh, in there, there's not any comparison. There's lots of wonderful challenges that we are challenging each other with and uh, just getting better every single day. That's the simple goal with those groups. And I want you to be in there. So go check them out. It uh, doesn't cost a thing except for a little bit of your time to answer some questions and get in the group. So looking forward to seeing you over there. Also, I want to give a shout out to the show sponsors and affiliates. Some great companies that I get to work with. And the reason why I'm sharing with you guys uh, these companies is because I've tested out their products. I use them personally in different aspects of my life, and I get to share a discount with you, which is what I want. I want you to get the best quality gear at the best price so that you can enjoy your time outdoors, you can enjoy time with your family, you can enjoy pursuing your passions with the best gear and nutritional uh, supplementation around. So first and foremost, first form, of course, I highly recommend first form if you're looking for a protein powder, multivitamin, greens, fish oil, something along those lines. Those are the products that I use, and that's what I would love for you to have as well. On top of First Form, if you have any questions, you can definitely send me an email or a message, whether that be on Instagram or Facebook. Shoot me a message. I'd love to help you out, uh, guide you in the right direction of things that you may need. I'm going to ask you a couple questions because I want you to get the best possible to fill any gaps that you have in your nutrition. Now, after that, guys... Your backcountry nutrition is super important as well. So I want to direct you to Alpen Fuel and Heather's Choice. Those are my top two choices when it comes to backcountry fuel. Uh, the dehydrated meals are amazing. The granola from Alpen Fuel is top tier. Highly recommended. You can even eat it at home, guys. Uh, it's just a great, great meal. It's not just for the backcountry. Heather's Choice as well. Great company. Amazing individuals. Love supporting smaller companies that are growing and doing great things. So definitely go check those two companies out. Also, Affect Beard Oil. Affect Beard is a great company here in Utah. Local guy, makes all the stuff himself. I love the product. I love the scents. I love his mission behind his product. 
every single order that goes in when you use my code, a portion of that goes to charity. So definitely go check that out. If you've got an itchy beard, long beard, short beard, whatever kind of beard you have, or maybe your spouse or significant other, or your children have beards, go grab some affect beard oil. Great guy to support. Go check them out. And just a couple other great companies that I get to work with guys, absolute aid, crispy boots, great, great companies, blackovis.com. Check out the links down below. If you need any of those uh, gear items, black Ovis provides amazing outdoors gear. It's like a smorgasbord of outdoors equipment. Go on their site, get what you need guys from glassing equipment to backpacks to boots, whatever it may be. Go check them out. Links down below. All right, guys. Now let's get into what you've been waiting for. The great conversation that I got to have with Quentin Dial Again, he went through the Alabama football program, won some national titles. He went through and played in the NFL, which, again, top tier of football, guys. He's a stud of an individual, loves the outdoors, loves his family, loves to get after it. So without further ado, here is Quentin Dial. All right, everyone, I got an amazing guest here for you, Quentin Dial. He is an awesome dude, just a stud of a human being. Uh, he's probably twice the man I am, literally, physically, and uh, he's just an awesome guy. He reached out to me um, a little while back, just wanted to talk about hunting stuff, and honestly, I didn't think it was real until uh, you know we had chatted a little bit. So, great guy. Obviously, he's a Clemson – or. Just kidding. He's an Alabama guy, and I had to give him crap for that. He's he's played football at Alabama and multiple uh, – was it one or two teams in the NFL? I know the San Francisco 49ers was one of them. Um, but, Quinn, who are you? And uh, in a nutshell, who are you, and uh, how do we get to know each other? Uh, like you said, my name is Quentin Dow, and I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man, family-loving man. Um, I played football – all the way up through what Pop Warner to high school in the state of Alabama. Then uh when I played a little collegiate ball at the University of Alabama, got me a couple of national titles there and got drafted to play for the 49ers. I did four years there and then um one year for the Green Bay Packers. So in a nutshell that's that's what I did. That's not who I am. Who I am is, you know, I'm a God-fearing family man. Um, I have three beautiful children and a beautiful wife. And we live out here in California now. Um, love to be outdoors. I like to hunt, fish, and be outside with the family. I like to smoke meat a lot. <laughs> um, I just like to be around people, man. I'm a, I'm a good people person, and I enjoy being around good good quality people that's awesome yeah no and that and that's what's so great about it is that you you've accomplished some amazing things man like just the the fact that you made it into the nfl and you played for some of the top teams in the nfl uh being the 49ers and the green bay packers them having both of them having a rich history even though i'm a little sour against the green bay packers because i'm a steelers guy so you know they Last time they met in the Super Bowl didn't end so well for my team. But uh, yeah. <laughs> honestly, it, it's awesome, man. And just kind of to – like people can see you in the screen, but what? how tall are you? I'm 6'5". Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, double the man I am. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> when we first started talking, you you brought up how you've got, a, what, a 34-inch draw length? 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they have to make a custom bow for you. They don't even make arrows. Like I think when they come out of the box, they're like 31 inches. So they got to make Lincoln logs for you. Um, and all this, you know, it's just crazy, man, to, to hear that kind of those kind of stats. But um, guys, I guess start off in Alabama. You know, where where did your uh journey start with hunting in the outdoors? So my journey my journey started when I was I was a junior in high school and I got asked by a couple of teammates, did I want to go hunting? I've never been hunting before. So I'm like, you know, heck yeah, I'll go. I'll give this thing a, you know, see what it's about. Went and I fell in love with the house. Uh they put me up in a tree stand. And I'll tell you, I've never seen so many doe and spike bucks in one sitting. And ever since then, I fell in love with outdoors. Obviously, playing ball, you know, I could only do it when I could because fall and hunting season fall right together with uh, football. So I only could do it when I can, like on a bye week or something. But now that I'm retired, I'll do them. I'm in the woods every time I get, every chance I get. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I don't know much about the opportunities out in California. I know there's some opportunities out there where you're at, right? And we can get into that in a little bit. But, you know, um, again, it just and I'm bringing this up because it's still like it's hard for me to picture. I'm sure you weren't. Well, maybe you were six, five in high school. But, you know, getting like you are the tree. Right. <laughs> but how like how did how did that work? You know, climbing. I've I've never sat in a tree stand myself. So I can only imagine an, an individual of your size getting up there. Uh, dude, it was it was a pretty big. It was a two man stand that they put me in. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a pine, a, a pretty good sized pine uh, that they put it up against and ratchet strap it down and all the you know make sure all the safety issues were taken care of. But yeah, it was uh, quite the picture of me up in a stand. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if they were football buddies. I'm sure they were big guys as well, so they knew how to deal with that. Oh yeah, there were some pretty big dudes as well. It's awesome. And now, did you start out archery hunting, or was it rifle, shotgun? What was kind of where did you start? I started with rifle and shotgun. I recently got into archery because there's more opportunity with that. You can yeah, have a lot more. No, yeah, for sure. And that and that's kind of a big thing about archery too. Like right now I'm still able to chase elk and deer um into the late season here in Utah because we've got until the end of November for deer and then we have until middle of December for elk. Um doesn't make it any easier, but the fact that you get more opportunities is pretty cool. And so that that's a, that's definitely a big draw for for bringing people into the archery community. So you started out in Alabama. It's obviously a little bit different than than out west where you are now. Um, but, you know, you crushed it in football. Uh, like you said, you won a couple of national championships with the uh, with Alabama, the Crimson Tide there. And uh, I guess so you took a step back from hunting or did you kind of mix it in while you could when you were playing those sports? Because I can imagine at such a high level, like high school football in and of itself is it takes a lot of training, a lot of dedication. You're and then you're exhausted. You're wiped by the end of of, of the day. So I can right. only imagine it's it, you know hundred times more in college and then in uh, the NFL. So did you mix it in or did you just put it on the back burner while you were pursuing that career? I would only do it during the season during my bye week. So I would only get you know we get a week off. So I would only get like two or three sets during the season until 
after the season, then I could hunt all I wanted after that. So I couldn't go every week like I wanted to because football at the NFL level is physically demanding and it requires a lot. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Like my day started every day at 5 a.m. and I didn't get into bed until after 10. So, yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, uh, and that's during the on season, but even during the off season, you're still training because it's hard to anyone that's gone through any kind of fitness journey understands that it's difficult to kind of have a slump, you know, the off season, quote unquote, uh, and then yep. try and pick it back up. It's easier to maintain that level of fitness year round. And then of course, ramp it up when you need to, um, rather than having those, those lulls in, in your year. So, you know, you didn't really have an off season, I imagine. No, I would, you know, depending on how my body felt at the end of the season, I would only take a week, maybe two weeks to just decompress from the season. Then I would get right back to it. Because like you said, like at that level of sports, like if you take too much time off, you're going to get caught by the next guy and the next guy is going to surpass you because, you know, essentially this is how I feed my family. So I'm not going to let someone else take food off my plate. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a cool story. Like I, I know a lot of people don't like Tom Brady and I, I was in that camp for a while. Um, I'm sure you, you got to compete against him, uh, multiple yeah. times. You were, you correct me here. You were a defensive lineman, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you were, I mean, you were head up against a guy like him and, and other quarterbacks, obviously of, of high caliber, but, uh, I used to really dislike Tom Brady. And then I found out about his story and he's a hard worker. He's not yeah. naturally talented. He's naturally smart, but he's yeah. not physically talented like a lot of quarterbacks out there. And so his story, you know, of the whole you just brought up, you know, you, you get caught sleeping. Basically, someone's going to take your spot. And right. he did that to Drew Bledsoe. And Drew Bledsoe even said uh, he was quoted saying something along the lines of the moment he got injured, he knew he wasn't getting his spot back. But he just yeah. knew. And so I, I I agree with what you're saying there. I can only imagine being at, at such a high level, you know, uh, it would be hard to be able to take some time off because you take that time off, you see the other person creeping up right behind you. So that's, that's intense, man. Very, <laughs> very <laughs> yep. intense. It's easy to get to the NFL in a sense, but it's harder to stay in there year after year after year. And like what Tom Brady's accomplished with over 20 years plus in the league. Like that's a testament to all the hard work, dedication that he's committed to his game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but going back to, I mean, to your game, man, being a defensive lineman, that's a that takes a lot of skill, that takes a lot of effort and a lot of training. Um, is that something that I mean? Did you play defensive lineman growing up? Did you kind of move into that spot after high school? Uh, how did that come about? Yeah, I played defensive offensive lineman and Pop Warner. And then I got moved to defensive lineman, uh, middle school, high school. And then that's where I flourished and that became my my main position. That's awesome. What what did you like most, I guess, about or what do you like most about defensive line? I get to hit people and I don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> There's no holding. Well, I guess you, technically there is, but it's harder yeah. to get a holding call as a defensive lineman. You get yeah. to just swim past and throw people out of the way. And, oh, man, that sounds like yeah. a lot of fun. I'm a lot stronger than a lot of people. So, like, I just throw people out the way and I, you know, get to where I get to the ball. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so with you being six, five, I mean, you're a big dude. Um, but were there a lot of linemen that are around your height, you know, were you kind of not average, but like just barely above average there or. It was a lot of guys around my height. That'd be anywhere from six eight. Some guys made me feel small. Jeez. Some of guys six eight, six nine, and then that would be guys you know six three, from six foot to six three in that range. I played with some guys that two guys that were six eight, and I'm like, man, y'all making me feel small. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's intense, dude. So that that's really cool, man. I I, I love, you know, and and. Honestly, you're you're saying is is easy to get in the NFL. I I know I get what you're saying there, um, but it takes a lot of effort, man. Like there's a lot of people that have dreams to get there, and they never even make it into college, like a D1 college, right? right. And so the fact that I mean, you've had a, an illustrious career, you know, and and honestly, uh, defensive line, a, a lot of the linemen in general don't get a lot of respect. You know, it, right. it's usually highlights on quarterback running backs, wide receivers, you know, and then you get the occasional linebacker and the occasional lineman, you know, that gets highlighted. But it's usually the offensive people that get that highlight. And I think people forget how, I mean, it's, there was a study done. I can't remember what the study was, but they were saying that the, the contact that you make with the offensive line is equivalent to a car wreck. Yeah. And you guys are doing that hundreds of times in a game. (laughs) thousands of times in a career like that's that force right there is ridiculous and that comes again from your training uh where you've learned to engage those particular muscles in the in in the way that you need them to work so let's go let's kind of start um i guess start back again kind of the beginning of your career uh when you were getting into sports were you someone that naturally took it up uh naturally took up weightlifting naturally took up conditioning or were there parts of it that you kind of had to struggle through um, to because you saw the end goal of I want to make it to the NFL and you were like, this is kind of a necessary evil? Okay. I'm going to just be straight up honest with you. <laughs> I hated every aspect of lifting and conditioning. <laughs> but when, you know, my coach, my high school coach sat me down and I told him, you know, I'm really not a fan of lifting because I never lifted up until high school or condition, I had a conversation with him and he said, you know, this is something that you should take serious because this could pay for your college education. You know, after that, I realized that that was true. And that's when I truly took it serious. And I worked my butt off at the high school level, collegiate level, you know, to try to make a name for myself. But to answer your question about um, what was your second question? Sorry. Oh, you're good. Just what? Because generally, there's two types of people I would say that either love the fitness aspect of it, or they don't, and it's just kind of a necessary evil to get to your end goal. And it sounds right. like you kind of fell into the the other camp where it was kind of the necessary evil, but you're willing to take it on because you saw, you know, the vision that you had to get to the NFL, right? Right. Like, yeah, like I didn't hate it and I didn't love it. You know, I think I was growing up, I wasn't educated on the fitness, anything related to fitness and how I should eat and how I should train and sleep and, you know, all the aspects of that. 
But honestly, my end goal was not to make it to the NFL. My end goal was to make it out of the situation I was in because I was living uh, below poverty, you know, and I just wanted to make it out of that situation. That way my kids would never have to endure the things that I did. So I wanted to make this sacrifice for my kids. That was, you know, that was on my mind at the time. That's that's crazy to think as a high schooler that you had the foresight. Maybe you weren't, you know, had maybe you didn't have those aspirations to make it to the NFL. And honestly, I can I can say that the people that I know that are high achievers, um, they didn't start in like high school or at a young age of seeing that they could be that. It kind of grew, that vision grew through time. They started with goals like what you're saying right now, where you're like, I just don't want to be here anymore. You know, yeah. and you hear other stories like that as well. But your story, I mean, that that's that's powerful, man. That that uh it it's it's humbling and sad that a high schooler is thinking along those lines that you're already thinking so far ahead that you're like, I don't want my kids to be in this spot, but at the same time, the level of maturity that it takes to think about that. Whereas in, in high school, I mean, you know, as a high school male, you're thinking about impressing your buddies, all the girls, uh, you know, you're chasing skirts during the summer. It's just, there's so much other stuff and distractions that can happen. Uh, if you don't, even if you don't get wrapped up in, you know, drugs and alcohol as well, um, things right. that were going around my high school, it's, there's so many distractions out there. And the fact that you had that level of maturity and foresight to even just think, I just simply want to be successful for my family, my future family. Uh, that's, that's amazing that you were able to think that way. And I mean, it's turned out really well. So when, when did you, I guess, well, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll stick in the high school there. So your, your coach, uh, pulled you aside and said you should probably start taking this seriously. That's a good man right there as well. Do you are you still in contact with him? Absolutely, still talk to him to this day. That's awesome. That's awesome that he was that he had also the ability to to because you know and you get into this situation as a parent as well where you kind of get in the mindset. Some there's some days where you're just like, man, like you just kind of go through the motions. And I'm right. sure this is the same for high school coaches, for teachers. And that's why you get so many kids that don't like their teachers because the teachers are just going through the motions, ready for retirement, et cetera. And the fact that he could pull you aside and just say, hey, look, you've got something in you. You need to also add some work to the talent that you've naturally got. Um, that That's amazing. And kudos to him for being able to see that and, and push you towards a goal that maybe you didn't even have at that moment, but he could see for you. So at that time, um, you know, you, you got into, well, walk me through getting into Alabama on scholarship for football. I mean, that's again, usually number one, or at least the top five in the nation year after year. Uh, Nick Saban was the coach I imagine because he's been there yeah. since the dinosaurs. And, <laughs> and so like you, how did that go? Walk me through that process of, you know, high school to Nick Saban recruiting you. Oh, man, it was crazy. So I would say between my sophomore and junior year of high school, that's when the name Quentin Dow like blew up in the football, um, Alabama high school football, right? Nick Saban got a wind of it. He actually came to visit me at my high school. Tuscaloosa is about an hour 15 from where I went to high school. So he came to visit me at my high school, and we had sat down, and he said, you know, I have a lot of plans 
for you. I could utilize you and your your talents and skill set, you know, to help you become a better player and a better man. But first, academically, I want you to be something that you've never done before. I want to ensure that you graduate. And so that was something that, like, I never honestly looked at going to college. <laughs> you know, I was just trying to get out of that situation that I was in. And so once I sat down and sat down and talked with him for, we sat down probably for an hour, hour and a half, and talk about everything. He offered me a scholarship, dude, and I was like, "I'm committed to you." <laughs> That's awesome. And so once I committed, I just had to finish high school at that point, and I was on my way to Tuscaloosa. That's crazy. Once I got, once I got to Tuscaloosa, it was a rude awakening. Yeah, <laughs> because the uh, the nutrition program, like from day one, you're on the nutrition program, you're on the the fitness program. They get, everybody has their own personal goals that they have to achieve in order to make the team cumulatively uh, better. Excuse me. Um, and so I had a I had to lose some weight, and I had to gain muscle. And then I had to work on my conditioning. And so, like, once I saw that and all the things that they had in front of me, all I had to do was just do it, put in the work. I'm like, oh, man, this is – I'm not saying that it's easy, but it is in a sense, right? Like, if everything is laid out for you, all you have to do is show up. I'm like, man, here we go, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. And, like, I have nothing but love and respect for Coach Saban because he – he has taught me so much from the football aspect that's so and it's so relatable to life. And and these are all things that I could raise my kids by. Like and it's it's so true. Like there's this thing called he um we lost a game, right? We lost maybe four games in my collegiate career. And they call this thing death by inches. You don't run to the players. You don't run to the ball as hard this time. You know, you don't you don't lift weights as hard this time. And those are all things death by inches. Oh, coach, you know, I'll get it next time. Or I don't have to do, do it as hard this time. Or I don't have to do it right this time. Death by inches. And every time you think that you have arrived in a sense, right, that thing going to creep up on you. And it's, it's not going to never let you forget. And that's, so that's something that I've always, I will take to my grave and I'll ensure that my kids, you know, know these things. No, definitely. That's, uh, you know, that that's, you, you've had a couple things there that I just, I want to point out here for people just because, um, you know, you've got an amazing story, man. The fact that you, you weren't raised in a situation where you had connections, you built right. those connections through your hard work. And, and I love the fact that you're like, it was, it was nice because then they planned it out, right? They put all the, the brain work into it and you're like, I'm just here to work, man. And you've just got that drive that you're wanting to just work, 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 and you're okay with that. And, and that's something that you want to do. And then learning the idea of, you know, death by inches, it's, it's so true in so many aspects. You, you, a lot of people, what happens, and I've done this multiple times in my life too, where things are going well. And you pull off the gas. Right. And and the fact I just want to highlight too, the fact that you said I've only lost, or you didn't say only, I'm gonna say only, you only lost four games in your entire collegiate career. Like that. 
<laughs> Dude, that is intense, man. <clears throat> that is crazy. Uh, but it, it it just goes to so to show the level of coaching, the dedication that they expect from you guys, and when everyone works together, you know how that how that comes out about. And something else that I've heard him say recently, and I'm sure you heard this. Uh, along with many other speeches and talks and locker room chats and everything else that came from Coach Saban, uh, but he he was explaining, and I'm I'm probably going to end up butchering this, but something along the lines of how mediocre people will never accept people who excel because they just they can't they can't they don't understand the work that it takes to get put in there and, and the, it, it, they're going to call you cocky. They're going to call you all these other things because they're jealous and they might even recognize that that's what's going on in their own brains, but they right. can't accept people who excel, you know? So right. something along those lines, there's some, you know, I heard a, a clip of his, his speech on that. And it's so true. You know, the, the fact yes. that the way you're, you're saying how they mapped it out for you at Alabama this is what they expected. If you didn't do that, I'm sure you either got a butt chewing or someone else filled your spot like that. I mean, it was just, you know, and just high level, high level stuff. So that's really cool to to hear that you literally fitness and sports pulled you out of a situation that you wanted to get out of. And you were, again, you were born naturally talented being six five i mean that's not like <laughs> if i could just eat my vegetables and get to six five maybe <laughs> that'd be nice but you you had some natural talent but the again the fact that you were willing to put in the work um that's that's a lot of a lot of people uh don't do that you know and right. and so that that's a lot of respect there man that you could do that pull yourself out of that situation now you're in alabama You've only lost four games your entire career. <laughs> and again, the guy's listening. He didn't say only. I'm saying only. That's 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 significant. So, uh, you know, and I'm sure those four were not acceptable from Coach Saban at all. I'm sure you guys had some, some amazing practices after those losses, I'm sure. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you're probably wishing you were back and not making it to Alabama. <laughs> uh, but so walk, walk me through that. So you've gone through your college career. Okay. You've already excelled some of the, the expectations that you had this, this other visions forming. Were you at that moment thinking of the NFL or were you still like, you know, I'm going to get my college, my college education. I've loved it here at Alabama. I'm going to move on and have a family and use my degree for something. So Funny you ask. So going my senior season, we're like on a bowl game break. So I graduated in December, which is early because we we had to go school year round. I graduated in December. We have the national championship against Notre Dame in January. And so we had just started practice preparation for that. And I'm sitting down talking to my family about like what do they think? Like, do they think I should pursue uh, professional football or do they think I should just go straight to work? I want to get everybody perspective, just, you know, see what everybody thinks. So after sitting down and talking with the fam, I was like, they told me that they think I should pursue football. I was like, all right, well, we'll see how this goes. After the bowl game, after we beat Notre Dame, I sat down with a couple of agents, interviewed them. And, um, Found a guy that I like. He was he was out of um, Maryland. His name was Travis. 
And I talked with him. He was like, man, I think you have all of the, the physical statues that you need to play at this level and play for a long time. I was like, all right, well, shoot. We'll see. We'll see how this goes, right? So draft rolls around. I get a phone call on the third day. I got drafted in the fifth round because I had some injuries at, in the college. Phone call comes in from 408 area code. I'm like, where is this? 408 area code. San Francisco 49ers, man, they call me. And, dude, I am, like, <laughs> I can't even sugarcoat it. I, I cried like a baby, dude. Because mm -hmm. it was just, like, so rewarding. Like, all the hard work, the dedication is, like, finally I feel like it's being acknowledged. And now the work, I feel like, is just beginning, right? Because I have to do this all over again. Which I don't mind by any means, but it's just like, like it was a great feeling knowing that I got that phone call and everything that all the work and stuff had paid off at that point. It was a, it was a really good experience for That's sure. That's amazing. No, for sure, dude. That's <clears throat> I can't imagine getting drafted. You know, and that's kind of been something that, so it sounds like you were willing to go either way, um, whether yeah. go into the workforce or, or go, go to the NFL. So you started yeah. out as a fifth round draft pick, which still, again, you're, you're kind of downplaying things, which I understand you're a humble man, but Frick, dude, <laughs> you got drafted into the NFL. Come on. Like, that's amazing. And so, uh, yeah, so you, so you get drafted. Right, you've probably never been. Uh, well, I guess you did travel for the for for Alabama football. Um, so I was going to say you probably hadn't been further west than I don't know Missouri, but you know you you've uh, you've traveled around at this point. So you get to get the call from San Francisco. Uh, you know you're you're all excited about that, right? Now, obviously, what's going through mine is great. I've had an awesome time at Alabama, but at this point, starting at ground zero again. And, uh, and so you, you go into the NFL, did you move out to San Francisco at that point? I imagine. Um, yeah, I had to move out, uh, within a month I was due to report within a month. Mm. So I ended up driving across country cause I've never been past West of Texas. So I mm. wanted to drive and see the country. So it took two days and drove out. And I uh, got an apartment and got set up before I was uh, due to report. And I tell you, I saw some pretty crazy stuff on that drive, dude. I've never seen so many accidents. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's crazy. People driving crazy, dude. Did you stop at any uh, any attractions or anything like that that you were looking to maybe see? Yeah, I stopped at the Grand Canyon. Um, stopped in Wyoming. Where else did I stop? Stopped in Arizona, Arizona, no, New Mexico, mm. New Mexico. Heard a bunch of elk bugling. Mm. Oh man, yeah. I was ready to go hunting in at that yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> Had you ever heard an elk before then? No, you're probably like, like what, what the heck it? is that? Yeah, <laughs> like, what? like you see the pictures of them on the. Um, on the side of the road signs. I'm like, dude, I want to go get one of them things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. That's awesome, man. So, so you make it out of San Francisco and you start training. 
I'm sure their their training regimen was even more strict than Alabama, which is probably hard to say, but it, it actually was because at the collegiate level you're only allotted to dedicate, I think, forty hours a week to football and the rest mm-hmm. is uh to academics. There's no academics at the professional level. Dude, this mm-hmm. is like from I think well initially when we got there, we had to be there at eight AM all the way to five. Mm. And so I'm like, crap, man, this is gonna be a long day. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to like really I had to really like mentally talk to myself because I wasn't obviously used to to doing any of that football all day. Like we had meetings, watching film, taking notes. You only get an hour lunch break. And I only say an hour, but like I know some people get less than that. But you get an hour lunch break and then you only get 20, 30 minutes to get ready for practice. And you got practice for three, two and a half, three hours some days. It's like, dude. And then following practice, you got more meetings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it makes it a long day, that's for sure. But it was it was definitely humbling in the beginning because I had I didn't know what to expect. I was just going into it blind, basically, but optimistic at the same time because you know I wanted to try to make this a great experience for myself and make a name for myself. Gotcha. No, that makes sense, man. So again, you're, you're coming in. So it's weird for me to say kind of on the lower end of the totem pole because you were a fifth round draft, but you, I mean, it sounds weird for me to say that because still you got drafted into the NFL, but at the same time, you're, you're at that higher echelon of, of people. And so in a way you're looking up to them and you're wanting to, you're wanting to show out, you're wanting to, to do what you can to impress the coaches, your fellow teammates, and and let them know, hey, I'm here for a reason. I'm not just here to to fall off or or be part of the practice squad. Like I want to make a name for myself here. And so that's pretty cool. Um, the fact that and you didn't have any family in in California. So it's oh, just dude, you. I didn't have anybody. It was just me. <laughs> yep. There you go. Yeah. So that that's difficult. You know, that's hard in and of itself. Um, especially with days and, and people are going to think about this and, and I, you know, watching sports growing up, uh, participating up through high school, but, um, you know, watching sports, you know, some people are like, man, what, what it would be like to be in the NFL and just get to play your favorite sport all year. And I'm like, yeah, but like the other side of me, kind of what you're talking about, it, it's hard to stay up and not be drained from the meetings. I can imagine. Yeah. You know, when you got a dark room with film rolling that you've watched the same play 10 times in a row and you're trying to figure out, you know, where you need to make sure you are or what mistakes you made, you're mentally drained and then you're going to go get physically drained and then you're more mentally drained later with more meetings. So, like, it's not like it's just some breeze where you get to go play ball, you know, the turkey bowl in the park, you know, on Thanksgiving. Like, it's this is a it's a job. And so I can imagine, you know, that being difficult. Then, you know. What a lot of people don't know either. If you get caught on your phone, they'll find you. Mm. So my phone, my phone always stayed in my locker, so I didn't have anything like that to distract me. So I'm like, I'm not giving them any opportunity to find me yeah. unless it's on the field. So and then talk about you know not having a social life. I mean, that's literally your family, and then you're out there by yourself. You know, no family after work. 
Right. And most of the time people are social during the day. So then you get off work and you're just getting to get started and you're drained and you're, uh, you're expected to go out and have a social life after you've been physically and mentally drained all day. Right. Yeah, I, was, I had no social life for quite a while. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> dude, I was out to work, dude. I'm exhausted. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. I'm relaxing. I really don't want to talk to anybody. Like, I've been talking all day with my teammates and coaches. Like, I just want to be by myself and watch cops or something on TV. Something that's not football, right? <laughs> exactly. No football. All the round objects in your house are now square because you can't even stand looking at another round object. <laughs> that's crazy, man. But yeah, no, you know, it's, it's, we laugh about it. But at the same time, like a lot of people don't think about that aspect of it being a job. Like, you know, people get to watch you on Sunday. I guess now there's Thursday. So you got what? Monday, Thursday. It's going to be every day of the week soon. But uh, you, know, you got Monday, Thursday, Sunday night football. Um, it used to be just, you know, Sunday and Monday. And people think they're like, oh, that's so cool. You get to watch them for a couple hours. But they don't realize all the work that's been put in behind the scenes to get to right. those couple hours of game time. Right. And game time right. probably even felt I can imagine that some days it even felt easier than some of your practice days, you know? Oh, for sure, dude. <laughs> Game day was easy. Like, and especially you, you compare it to like a training camp practice. Training camp was brutal. And I know like a lot of older guys, much older guys than I, than myself, like they had to go through much more grueling practices, but like not to diminish anything that they've been through. But I think I had some pretty tough training camp practices as well because we would practice against other teams in, across the league. Like one year we went to Baltimore and the humidity, mm. whoa. Mm-hmm. That, oh, dude. <laughs> then we went to Denver another year. It's like I couldn't breathe up there, dude. Like the air is so thin. You're like, we're high. How high up here? <laughs> Mile high? What I'm the just, heck? <laughs> I'm like, dude, like, I feel like I'm out of shape right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, for real. <laughs> but, like, it was it was definitely crazy, but, like, a good experience, I would say. Because it essentially made me the man I am today. Like, and I can appreciate those things and all those lessons along the way. That's, that's how I look at them. There was just a lesson that I learned along the way, you know. Yep. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, how many championships did you win with Alabama? I got two national championships and one SEC. Okay. All right. And then uh, how many Super Bowls did you go to? No Super Bowl, but a loss in the NFC championship. That's what it was. Okay. That's what it was. So even then, man, that's that the NFC championship is no joke. Right. And that was with, um, that was with the San Francisco 49ers, right? Yeah, okay. we played Seattle that year, that's right. and yeah, I still get taped about that. <laughs> All right, we won't talk about that. But so, so you had some. So you, I mean, you played some high level games. Uh, you, you definitely, yeah. and you won quite a few of them as well. Uh, and and so you did some amazing, amazing things in your career, man. And so you obviously went from you went from fifth round draft pick to playing. You know, did and you started in the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. At defensive line. And so, I mean, that's a big, that's a big jump too. you know, going from fifth round to starter. um, You had to surpass some people, 
and and then hold your spot, you know? And so that, that's awesome. That that's a huge accomplishment. Uh, kudos to you, man. That that's a big, big deal. So, so let, let's talk a little bit more now kind of about, about your family. So you, you started out at a young age thinking about your family ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And then, so you've built this amazing career. You've worked your butt off, right? Now you have a family and a lot of people would say that having their first child is better than what the people would imagine is winning a national championship or, or a Super Bowl or an FC championship. Uh, but those people have never been in those games. So I want to ask you, how does that compare? Does it even compare? Is it two different? Because sometimes, you know, you compartmentalize things and they can't even be compared to apples and oranges. But what are the feelings of having becoming a dad and, you know, holding your baby for the first time and holding honestly, that championship trophy? I honestly don't think that there is any comparison. Me personally speaking, I think the blessing of a child is something special. Is a special gift from God that should be compared to a ring or a trophy, honestly. I think me personally holding all three of my kids is one of the greatest accomplishments I'll ever endure. Probably one of the most frustrating and best jobs I'll ever have is being a dad. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I think that there's no comparison. Like people will say, like, yeah, I would compare it to winning a Super Bowl. It's hard to say that when you've never been in that position. Right. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to ask you, because you've won some national championships with a top tier team and that is consistently successful. And that's the other thing too. It wasn't a fluke, right? Like Alabama right. is consistently in the top rankings every single year, year in, year out. And so right. um, that's why I want to ask you that question, because, you know, there's a lot of people that will say that, but they've never played past high school in, in football. Right. So they don't understand <laughs> more than a state championship, maybe if they were lucky. So uh, that that's amazing, man. And I agree with you 100 percent. There's nothing like being a dad and there's yeah. nothing more frustrating. It'll bring you to your lowest lows and your highest highs all in the same day and sometimes within the same five minutes. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's so exactly. frustrating. <laughs> it's but, like, oh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or, or when you see the things in your children that you're like, I can't even really get mad at you because that's me. Like, yep. <laughs> that's me coming out in you right now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's exactly. Funny. Exactly. That, that's awesome. So how? Um, so you you have three children. You just your your youngest just overcame something pretty intense uh you know with rsv and so yeah that's always scary for any parent um uh, what would was, you say oh go ahead i was just gonna say that that was super scary and a parent's worst nightmare mm -hmm. you know seeing your kid in a super vulnerable position like that and there's essentially nothing you can do to make your child feel better that was tough yeah no i can imagine i i you know, I've had moments where, you know, my children have been sick and they've never had RSV, but asthma attacks and things along those lines. And it, it's rough because as a dad, you're you're supposed to be the protector, the provider and the presider of the family. And and you can't you literally can't do anything other than make sure they have the medicine they need. They've got the correct doctors. You've got a good hospital. 
good nurses, et cetera. And it it sucks when it's kind of out of your control. Not, you don't even have to be a control freak kind of person, but being a dad, you want to uh, protect your children, you know, Uh, maybe not from the normal uh, scratches and and nicks they may get from, you know, going on a hike or something. But when it's literally life or death situations, that can be, that can be super intense and and, and rough uh, for sure. So, you know, you've got three children. Um, and then what, how old's your oldest? He is seven. He'll turn eight May 8th. Oh, that's awesome. May is a great month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I've got a, I've got an eight year old as well. And that's a very interesting age. Um, I don't know if your seven year olds in any much like mine where he's a, he's a lawyer. I mean, he's going to question everything, man. He plays the word game. He, he's like, dad, you told me to go put it in my room. Well, I put it in my room. I didn't put it away, but I put it in my room like <laughs> crap like that all the time, all the time. Uh, but what are some things that you're doing with, with your children to get them? And I've seen some of the things, but I, I want you to share them, uh, that you're doing with your children as they get older, age appropriate stuff to get them in the outdoors and to create, you know, a, a better human being for the community. Well, some things I do to get them outdoors. We have a dog. First things first, we're going to start with, you know, something small, age appropriate. We'll take them on walks. We go to the park. And then from there, we ju- I just increase it to something else. We're going on a hike. We might go on a half mile, three quarter mile hike. Something that's not going to be super physically challenging for the kids, but, you know, just something to get them outside and, and look at nature. What we have to, that God blessed us with to, to look at, right. And to enjoy for our lives. Um, and now I have a three-year-old, I'm going to start getting him out. I'll probably start taking him out. Both my boys out hunting in the spring, I'll start hunting for pigs again. Um, won't let him pull the trigger, but I'm going to just let him be around that and experience it with me. Show him how to feel dress an animal, how to skin an animal. Like I said, like they won't be able to do it for a few more years, but I just want them around that to to experience it and be there with me because it's not about my perspective. Hunting is not about harvesting an animal. It's just more about the memories with the, with who's at your camp, your buddies, your kids, whatever, who, who, whoever you're with. And so I'll be with my boys and I want to, you know, make these memories with them and instill these, these things into them. That way they can then, when they have kids, turn around and do it for the next generation. And some things, you know, to answer your next question, some things that I teach them, some lessons like, I'll give you an example. My seven-year-old decided he wanted to talk back to me. I said, okay, well, you know, I'm not much. Sorry, just real quick. I'm going to pause you there. I would be scared to talk back to you. <laughs> Your seven-year-old's got some balls, man. If he's talking uh, back to his six-five uh, defensive lineman dad right there. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> he said it in red. <laughs> I was like, uh, buddy. We're not doing that. And so I told him, I said, well, you're going to learn a lesson from this today because you don't talk back to daddy. He said, well, what lesson do I got to learn? I said, you see this bucket? 
and give you some gloves. We're going to walk around the neighborhood. You're going to pick up trash until there's no more trash in the neighborhood. He said, I don't want to. I said, I didn't ask you if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, this is what you're going to do. I tell them, you know, there, there are things in life you have to understand. There are consequences for your actions. And if you don't understand this now, 15 years from now, I don't want to, I don't want you to call me from jail or, you know, to come bail you out because some, you did something stupid and now you're in jail. No, we're going we gonna to learn these lessons now so we can avoid that. And so I, I always do things like that. You know, you're going to learn a lesson in everything in life, in my perspective. And if I can teach you something out of every situation, I'm definitely going to take the opportunity to do that. If we can talk about it, we're going to talk about it. If we had to get a little dirty, we will. If I had to take off my belt, you know, I got to do that. But, you know. I don't want to have to read it, but I don't want my kids to be the problem child in any situation because there's too many, like you turn on the news, you see it every day. And I don't want that to be my kids. Yeah, I want better. I want better for them. So these are the lessons that we're going to teach now. So we don't have to worry about that in 10, 15 years from now. Exactly. Exactly. I, I love that, man. That's, that's a good example. That's that's exactly what I was going to say that, you know, I saw that the other day that you posted about walking him around with a bucket and he had to pick up garbage. You know, it, it's 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 not an awful punishment, but for, a, you know, a seven year old having to walk around and pick up someone else's stuff, that's not fun. No one wants to do that. And so I think that's that's an amazing lesson. And I, I love again, you've got that foresight. You're you've you've always been thinking about that, that that's what you wanted to change. You you were literally changing your family tree, you know, financially right. and pro just providing them better opportunities than you were given. You earned a whole bunch of opportunities, but you didn't really have a bunch provided to you. And so you're, you're changing that you're fulfilling that goal that your high school self had. And so that that's amazing, man. I, I love to see people given that follow through and, you know, 20 years later, looking back and they're just saying, man, I'm, I'm glad I kept with, whatever it was that it was. And so that's amazing. That That's awesome to hear. And I, I, I love seeing, I guess, well, and hearing you say that you're going to take him out and he may not be behind the gun or, uh, you know, a bow or anything like that, but he's going to get that experience, you know, in the outdoors. And I think that's super key as well uh, because kids, maybe, maybe they don't want to hunt. And, you know, that's right. something that obviously I, I would hope that doesn't happen to my kids, but it happens. And uh, at least they'll have the opportunity to go with me right. and see the exciting parts. And, you know, um, but as, as of right now, I've been lucky in my two youngest kids anyway. Actually, my my three youngest kids have been uh, interested. They've gone and done a couple hunts with me and I made them clean the animal with me, which generally that would turn people away from hunting. And uh, right. they were OK with it. You know, they weren't excited, which I don't think anyone is. That's kind of the work part of hunting. But, uh, right. you know, they, they were accepting of it. So. Um, you know, it, it's good to get people or to get your kids into it at a younger age to, to walk them through the idea of, you know, when you should and shouldn't shoot, uh, you know, kind of what are the ethics behind it. And once they get those lessons ingrained in them, they may not remember the exact day that it was taught to them, but they're going to know that dad taught me this or dad's friends that came with us taught me this or, 
you know, and, and they're going to be more, at least more ethical human beings and respect life a lot more for sure. Right. hundred percent agree with you. That's awesome. Like I got, I got my first elk back in September mm-hmm. in Idaho. And I told my three-year-old, I told both my boys, like, hey, daddy's going elk hunting. I'm going to bring back an elk and we're going to eat him. And so I harvest the elk. I got his, uh, got a year old mount of the head and the horns. And um, every time he sees the, the year old mount, he said, daddy, we're going to eat the elk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so, yes, sir. That's awesome. He won't. So funny, dude. Kids That's are so cool. kids are awesome. Yeah. So that was that was your first elk. Um, let let's I guess let's go kind of more into the outdoor side of things here, uh, just to kind of wrap things up. So with with hunting, okay, what got you? Well, you mentioned you got into archery because of more opportunities, um, mm-hmm. which is ironic because there's not many bow opportunities for you with the stats that you've got with your draw length and everything, but you got that figured out. You got a good company that's working with you to, to get things custom made. It's kind of like, I, man, the first time I heard Shaquille O'Neal's shoe size and that he had to get those things cut, like it just <laughs> blows my mind just thinking about that. And uh, anyway, so you're in, you're into hunting, you're out in California. Um, I guess what would be, if you had to pick, one dream hunt that you could go on uh rifle archery shotgun whatever um one dream hunt that you could go on what would that hunt be and what what game animal would that be uh dude i'd say probably brown bear hunting in alaska that would probably be the ultimate for sure with a with a knife that way <laughs> i'll take my chances with a knife but i i'll, I'll definitely go Either bow or rifle, either one. I'm pretty confident with both. That's awesome. You said brown bear. Yeah. Yeah. So for people out there listening, I'm sure most people do understand this, but um grizzly bears are big, right? But they are kind of a cousin, or I guess a sibling of the brown bear. The brown bear is the one that you see, like the one uh was it this last year or the year before where the guy um him and his wife were hiding behind a rock as this 10 foot bear came charging at him. Uh, after he, I think he shot him with a bow and that didn't work. <laughs> so he had to pump some lead into him with his, his 10 millimeter, uh, or maybe it was a 44 mag, something like that. But anyway, uh, long story short, they ended up surviving, but those, the Brown bears are the ones that get like massive, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's, that's interesting. I, I didn't think that that would be the one that you would pick, but, uh, it kind of makes sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely that'd be the one for me, and I'll get him stuff. Yeah, full full body mount for sure. <laughs> You'll put him in the timeout corner for your kids, right? <laughs> you got to go stand under the bear every you gotta, time you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, you're gonna go to the corner with the bear. Go to the bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Na- name him uh, Nick Saban too, by the way. <laughs> got to put the hat on him too. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That that that's a cool one. I honestly I ask a lot of people that and I have yet to hear brown bear hunt. Um, so that that's really cool uh to hear. So is there I guess is there anything uh that you would like to share that we haven't discussed, we haven't talked about with the audience, um, kind of to wrap things up, your final thoughts or just a message you'd like to share? 
Yeah, I got a message. I would say, you know, in, in life, we only get to do this thing one time. And if there is something in life you want to do, I think you should go for it, honestly. In order to get somewhere that you want to go, you have to do something that you have never done. Just let that sink in for a minute. In order to get somewhere you want to go in life, you have to do something you've never done before. And so if there's goals that people have set for themselves or, you know, dream vacations, jobs, whatever, like, you can accomplish that. But it's going to take a little bit of effort and go for it. I love it. I love it. That's that's so true. I mean, you know, you're you're the embodiment of that. Like, you, from a young age, you were in a situation that if you had stayed in that situation, who knows where you would be right now, but you would, I, exactly. I know you for a fact, you wouldn't be where you are. And right. so you had to change something that you, you know, that was your current situation. You changed, you enjoyed, uh, you started to enjoy, or at least pretended to enjoy fitness <laughs> <laughs> long enough to get you into college. Right. And then you just kept showing up and then you did something different. You know, you went from not even thinking you were going to make it to college to making it through a great college career, getting a degree, uh, multiple rings and only losing four games and into getting into the NFL, you know, which is something that you, your younger self couldn't have even imagined. And so you did all these different things, just like what you were saying different than what your current situation was at that moment so that you could grow and and become the man that you are now. So that's, that's amazing, dude. So uh, the only other thing that I would say is we need to get you out of California and you need to, you need to come a little bit, (laughs) a little bit further East, not so far East as Alabama, but you need to come over to like, you know, Colorado, Utah, uh, Wyoming kind of area. So I can't guarantee the weather like you've got down there in San Francisco, but everything else is better. (laughs) that's okay i'll bring a jacket (laughs) (laughs) well you know us married guys we understand it's not necessarily us it's the women that we need to keep warm you know (laughs) this is true this is true i played in green bay so i'll just give my jacket to the wife (laughs) there you go there you go i hear that man yeah definitely don't have to deal with those cold weathers out here um well, great, man. I really appreciate your time today. I, I really do. I know you've got lots going on and, and the fact that you were able to take some time out and and that you reached out to me to talk about hunting. Again, uh, I I can't say that enough. I, I didn't think it was real. Like I was like, why? <laughs> why? There's an ex-NFL player reaching out. Like, this got to be one of those scams, right? Is he asking for anything? Like, what? <laughs> but looked you up and everything. It was legit. You're an awesome guy. Very down to earth. I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for sharing, you know, with the audience. Where can they find you if they want to look you up and and get in contact with you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Quentin Dow ninety two, and on Facebook, I think Quentin Dow ninety two as well. I got the blue check, so you'll be able to find me. <laughs> awesome, awesome, sweet. Well, I appreciate it again, man. I'll leave the links down below, guys, for you guys to look up Quentin. He is just an awesome individual. He's outstanding guy. Uh, you know family man has had an amazing career so far loves the outdoors and uh we're gonna get him get him out of california here pretty soon so (laughs) all right well like i always say guys you know get out live your life and love it 
All right. Thanks so much for tuning into this one, guys. Quentin is just an amazing individual, super humble about his achievements that he's accomplished in his life up to this point. I'm excited to call him a friend. He's just a great, great guy. Uh, lives amazing values and overcoming adversity, as you heard in his story. So again, thanks, guys, for tuning into this one. Go and spend time with your loved ones. Make some memories this weekend. Enjoy the Christmas season. I love this time of year when everyone's wanting to get together and spend time with each other. So go do that. Uh, share the show. If you enjoyed it, leave a review. I really appreciate that. That helps the show grow. Uh, share it and leave and follow as well. If you're watching on YouTube, of course, go and subscribe to the channel. I'm getting those gears rev gear reviews out to you guys on a weekly basis. Outside of that, just have an amazing weekend, guys. And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.